What's poppin' with your world? It's the homie Jay Prague, the illustrious one. The bandwagon radio in full swing right now. What's going on? What's going on? Y'all make sure you hit that bell, subscribe, so you get those notifications on when we drop a new episode like this one right here. And a special, special, special edition of The Rundown today. We've got the lovely D. Woods on the phone lines. That's right. National recording artist D. Woods is going to be talking to us via Zoom and on the phone lines. Also, I had to bring in my co-host on this one. So I've got the lovely Celeste Mose, a.k.a. Miss Media, helping me out on this one right here. All right. So let's go ahead and get this thing started. So, D. Woods, give my listeners a little background. Let's talk about that transition from... Getting into the music industry with Danity Kane, uh, the whole MTV, you know, Puff Daddy. Let's talk about that transition from first getting into the industry to now being a solo artist, really focusing on your goals independently. What was that transition well, like? <laughs> okay, well, um, I started out as an artist at a, at a very young age. I was basically born into the arts. So I've been dancing, acting, singing, writing songs since the age of three. Like my first performance was when I was three years old. And my mother will always tell the story. I was just so focused. I was so determined. And she was just thinking like, why is this kid, you know, like in the past or bedtime? But, <laughs> but my sister and I, you know, we, we we got into the arts very young. So I started in the performing arts at a very young age trained at different institutions like Tri-Cities High School, Visual Performing Arts, um, the Alvin Ailey School, Tisch School of the Arts at NYU. I trained at um, in Afro-Cuban dance in Havana, Cuba. I also toured with a lot of um, major recording artists throughout the time of me being in college where I was a theater major but I was doing everything in under the sun. <laughs> a little bit of everything. Recording music, writing music, interning for the radio station Power 1051, where we all know from like the Breakfast Club and everything. So I was a very busy camper. So I was always focused, not necessarily like, oh, about just myself, but just pushing myself. So making that transition from being in a group I was used to being in large ensembles of people, dance companies, theater companies, um, being put together with different people. So being put together with a group of girls that I didn't know from anything on this major television show and then it coming to an end was like, okay, and on to the next project and on to the next chapter. We've been through this before. We've we've closed down projects. We've said goodbye to people. Some people you cross paths with again, work with again. Some people you don't. So that's how I just looked at it. Like, all right, and the story keeps on going, and the marathon continues. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> all right, Peter, homie, nip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No doubt. No so, doubt. Um, so I just kind of tapped back into my individual self um, and my individual voice and started, um, I got back in the studio with people who I had worked with before or who I had, you know, come across with during that interim time of being on MTV and making the band. Um, those people who I had built relationships with on my own and just continued creating. And it ended up coming 
together as Four Grand Entertainment and we put my own music out and getting back into theater, getting back into dance and choreographing and things like that. So things just kind of just kept moving. You know, it was just like, all right, just another chapter, another direction. Sounds like it's all coming back full circle, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Circles round and round and round. Yep. As long as you don't stop, you're gonna keep you're gonna keep passing people, keep running into people. That's yeah, that's what I've been doing. No doubt, no doubt. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you as a, as a singer, a vocalist, what what do you appreciate most about making music? Um, I appreciate in making music. I I just love the um, the way it makes you feel. Like, if it feels good, you know what I'm saying? Like, the harmonies, the chords, the groove. I just love how uh, I was playing around. Um, oh, what was I watching? I think I was, you know, I was watching um, the Amazing Grace documentary about Aretha Franklin's live gospel album. And it was just so interesting to watch because... It was almost like everybody was a part of that performance. Of course, it was just centered on Aretha Franklin, but everybody joined in, started clapping, doing their little thing. And it was like the whole thing was like music. And I was like, I just love how we just get involved. And it's like a whole, it just takes over your whole body. Yeah, it's just coming from the vocal cords and you're hearing it, but when it makes you move in your body and you're smiling and it's like, it, it gives you memories. It puts you, you know, if you hear a certain song, you, it'll, you immediately have a flashback to where you heard that song, how it made you feel, what you was wearing, what happened before that, you know, <laughs> was it skating rain? Was it walking through the parking lot, getting ready to go to the homecoming game? You know what I'm saying? Like music, can, making music can do that. And so that's what I enjoy about making music, like creating those types of, you know, memories or experiences. Okay. All right. And also as a vocalist, you know, I follow R&B. I follow a lot of the greats, a lot of the legends. Um, you being in this space, like, who inspired you musically? Who were some of those people that you kind of looked up to or that you followed that kind of got you into this space of saying, you know what, I can do the same thing? Well, I'm so excited asking you about this because... <laughs> One of my favorite singers. Of Talk all to me. Talk to me. She just put out a new album, and I'm like having eargasms all over it. Um, Brandy. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with you on that. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Love, love, love me some Brandy. Really listen to her a lot. Just the way that she used her voice or uses her voice as a as an instrument, and just the way that she. And her, her team, you know, they created a whole sound of how to, like, vocal production, stacking vocals. Like, I just love everything about it. So, yes, Brandy, um, Lauren Hill, of course. Um, SWV. Um, <laughs> uh, I really, because um, we were talking about, you know, today's, like, the verses with uh, 2 chains and... yeah. And Rick Ross. And Ross. So, yep. of course, when new verses comes out, we always be like, well, who else you want to see versus us? And it was like, SWV versus Escape. Who you got? I was like, SWV. It's like, Escape got some hitters, and everybody in Escape was singing lead at different times, but 
SWV just like really, and I, I really learned how to sing on SWVs. Listen, I was very, you know, I was very young just trying to match Coco's tone and hold out notes. Whitney Houston, those are people like Whitney Houston, Anita Baker, Stephanie Mills. Yep, those are the legends. Yep, yep. My parents listening to that and me just trying to sing along, you know. Uh, but people who made songs that you know, like Missy Elliott, Outkast, okay. um, Wu Tang, <laughs> Jay Z, Nas, Goody Mob. So a lot of different influences then. Yeah, people okay. like, in in different genres too, like Bjork. I don't know if you're about yes, Bjork. Yes, yes, I like, do. Mm-hmm. Okay, I um, see where you're going. Very clear. What about Portishead? I'm, I'm gonna see how many you really got Portishead. I'm not familiar you there. Know. You got me on that one. I'm gonna have to do my research. Yeah. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna, I'm <laughs> definitely, if, you, if you're telling me that's somebody to be on the lookout for, I'm definitely gonna look that up. Yeah, like that's that's like some real alternative grungy stuff. You know, like. It ain't just just because I am uh, very proud and very black and very melanin and very. <laughs> I was giving you, I was giving you a good white girl moment. You know what I mean? I give you a good, you know, no doubts. Okay. Okay. Um, I'll give you, like I said, I already said your um, the cranberries, okay. like Nirvana. Nirvana. Okay. Let me find out. She got a little more influences than just this R&B and hip-hop in her. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, musical theater. You know, I'm, I'm a theater kid, so listening to those soundtracks from, you know, The Wiz or um, Aida or Dreamgirls or definitely Broadway Chicago. You know what I mean? So there's a lot that goes on in my head. <laughs> All right, so we got the new record, Call It Quits. Who who do we uh who are we sending some mentions and some shout outs and some thank yous to for this latest project? Well, definitely thank you to me. I know that's and, right. I know that's right, girl. <laughs> I want to thank me. You know what I'm saying? Like Snoop said. Um, <laughs> um shout out to Mike Bombs, the producer on this, Kissy Lee, my co-writer. Um, yeah, that's that's the team that put this together. Call it quits. Uh, definitely, all the you know dudes who's acting funny that you know end up being inspiration for these songs that I write. <laughs> <laughs> so is that how you find your inspiration? Usually, is from life experiences. Mhm, mhm. Life experience, either my own or something that I you know witnessed vicariously or sometimes it's just you know i could be watching a movie and there'd be a scene or there'd be a line or something that somebody gives like oh that's a song that's a song that's a whole soundtrack of the life that we could write so yeah i get inspiration from from all things i'm like a sponge now let's talk about your recording your recording process. What does that look like? Like, what type of space do you like to be in when you go to record? Are you a person that likes, you know, nobody in the studio? You like it quiet, or you like to, you know, you don't mind having a group of friends and family around to kind of feed off of? Like, what what does that look like for you when you plan to record? 
it, it depends on what kind of song it is that I'm doing. Sometimes when you, when you have like a, a fun, loving, like party record, yeah, you want to have that energy. But I have also done those songs just like me and the engineer by myself and I just be in there jumping around. But <laughs> it is always fun when you have fun there. But when you're doing something a little bit more vulnerable and, you know, introspective, like you got to have the lights dim, you got to be in your zone. And sometimes like I, because I, I got to hear, I got to hear all these different parts, these different vocal harmonies and arrangements and stuff. Like sometimes I'll just stay in the booth. Like I don't even care what's going out, going on out in the other areas. Like I just, let me stay in the booth. Let me just be here with the headphones in, you know, and just hearing it and actually visualizing what I'm hearing in my head and trying to get it out. So yeah. Um, I've, I've recorded in a lot of different atmospheres. Like sometimes it's a you know high end, whatever professional studio, and sometimes it's a closet in somebody's basement. You know what I'm saying? Like wherever we get the vibe, as long as you got a good mic and you got a good you know engineer, you got a good plugins, you can get it in. You know. Yeah. But being comfortable, being able to go there in your artistic space is the most important. So. Now, let me ask you this question, being somebody that's been on television, you've been in front of thousands, millions of people before. Um, do you have any fears when it comes to either recording or performing? Like, do you still get butterflies? Are you still nervous? Yeah, I mean, if you don't, that means you're, you're pat. I feel like anything that you care about should still give you that little ping inside of your, you know, that feeling like your stomach drops or whatever. You get those little like chills on the back of your neck because you care about it, you know. That's a good point. I just finished doing, I just finished doing, well, not just because it was before BC, before Corona, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> I did the um, off-Broadway revival of For Color Girls. Okay. And that was an amazing experience. And I think I had the most amazing time doing it. Shout out to all my cast members, the whole company, because everybody was great. But I had a special experience because I got to play four different roles mm. in the show. Wow. So every day I was scared. Because <laughs> <laughs> I would come into the theater and I didn't know happening i'm just looking around making sure everybody's good everybody's straight nobody's sick nobody got hurt whatever whatever and but then sometimes i would come in and everybody seemed fine and then just something would happen out the blue and be like d you gotta go on and i'd be like okay (laughs) and i didn't know so i always had to have all four characters ready in my head you know, because oh, sometimes that was, I bet that was like sometimes it would be like twenty time. minutes notice before you know the audience already started piling into the um into the into the theater, and that's when I found out what was going on. So having that level of, <laughs> of wow. whatever anxiety, but if it, it really forced me to like, you know, you can't get too comfortable. You never can get too comfortable. Um, and even if I knew I was going on. You never can get too comfortable because it's live performance. Anything can happen. You know what I mean? Anybody else on stage with you can slip up and you got to be ready to catch it, you know, 
or just anything could happen in the audience. Like, because it was actually probably during the time when coronavirus was like making its way over here, because this was like from September to December. So there was moments where there would be like extreme coughing in the audience, but we didn't know what it was at the time. But I'm thinking it was coronavirus, you know? <laughs> so you're saying you think something. <laughs> You think the theater has some coronavirus victims in there, right? Then in there, huh? Just, I'm just sure thinking back, we looking back. Exposed to it because they would just be coughing fits, and we would just be like on stage trying to do our lines, and we're just like, "Is that person dying over there? Like what? <laughs> like get this?" Probably boy. was <laughs> COVID nineteen. <laughs> but we didn't. But we had no idea. We had no yeah. idea, but. But having those little things go off of people's cell phones ring in or, you know, just like whatever. And you just got to be ready to roll with the punches, roll with it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because there's no cut, there's no stop in live performances, live theater. So, yeah. Is that like a, <laughs> is that like a rush for you? Like playing those four different characters, like you said, being on, having to be always on pins and needles at any, any given time to just say a line? Yeah, it was it was a rush. I mean, even the days that I didn't perform, I would still sit in the audience and watch. And then if one of the four characters that I was, you know, covering, if they would be looking like, and I'm like, oh snap, what's gonna happen? Are they gonna someone gonna have to like tap me on the shoulder? I'm gonna rush backstage and get in the costume, rush back out or whatever. So you just, I just never knew, but it, it just took, I feel like it took me to another level of, you know, being prepared, being, um, you know, just like in character, being on top of my instrument as well. Like I couldn't go out and party the night before. I couldn't, you know, I had to make sure I got enough sleep. I had to make sure I was eating right because... I never, I just never knew. Like I had to keep myself like in tip, tip, tip top shape all the time. So it just pushed. Yeah, it was a push. <laughs> all right, as somebody who's been in the industry for for a while now, years now, I'm sure you have a lot to say about these next two questions. So I want you to be very transparent, be very realistic. Uh oh, you about to take yeah, a sip? Don't get me in She's trouble like, now. Don't no, no, you ain't getting in trouble. I ain't gonna let you get in trouble now. She like, let me take a sip though. Uh oh. <laughs> nah, it's not. It's not. It's gonna be easy. I promise you. Tell me, tell me one positive thing that you can appreciate about the industry. One positive thing that you can appreciate about the about whole in, about the industry itself, the music industry. Um, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of positive things about the industry. Um, I mean, the fact that it is a way for people like myself who want to make a living doing what they love, you know what I mean? Like, even if you're not a singer or artist, like, even if you're in marketing, if you're in hair and makeup, if you're in, you know, like, the industry is the way to continue always having a platform of space, an outlet to do what you love and make a living off it. That's that's one, that, I feel like that's the most positive thing um, because we all wanna do what we love to do every day when we wake up and yeah. not everyone gets to do that. That's a fact, that's so, a fact. 
Mm-hmm. All right, so we talked about a positive. Now, you know we got to go to the other spectrum. Name one negative thing about the industry. <laughs> What's that one thing? I'm sure you got a list of them, but give me at least that top. You can give me top two. Top two to top five things that you were like, I dislike this about the industry. Um, I think the main thing that irks me about the industry is how people in the industry make it about everything other than the talent, mm, you know, good answer. Um, you know, and, and I think the kind of like the, the predatory nature of the industry mm. where, like I just said, everybody wants to wake up and do what they love to do um, to make a living off of it. And sometimes people take that and take, um, take advantage of people who are willing to do whatever. And so the bid, the, the bad business practices of the industry and the predatory nature of going after people's passions, dreams, and, and everyone except that person whose passion and dream is eaten off of it. You know what I'm saying? But I think that's the most negative part of it because it, it literally, literally drives people out of their mind and crazy. That's a good answer. And it's really sad. That's you see someone answer. with all that talent and all that whatever, and then when it gets sucked out of them, it's like so sad. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> real. That's real. Well, I want to ask you, Miss D, um, with you having been on Making the Band and you've worked with a mogul like Puffy, how do you make sure that you stay humble and focused? If, you know, when, when you think about working with somebody like Puff Daddy, it's easy to think, I've arrived. How do you keep your hustle humble so that you never imagine yourself having to arrive and you keep on moving forward? What do you do to do that? Well... <laughs> I saw that face though. I saw that face. Um, there's a lot of things that will humble you in the industry if you think you have arrived. Um, I was, you know, not because I was acting like I've arrived, but we were told that my group was told after um, our first album was platinum and we had just finished a, a successful tour with Christina Aguilera and the Pussycat Dolls and we were um, asked to come back to making the band to do our second album. Mm -hmm. Upon starting that second album, we were told, don't think you did shit. Don't think you arrived just because oh, wow. you were platinum. Oh, wow. Verbally. Like, wow. Mm, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, so there are people who will, who will, if they'll just knock you down. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the things to do is in that situation was how do I build myself up? How do I keep myself with my head up when I see people feel people trying to knock me down, trying to convince me that I am not worth what I'm worth. 
you know what I mean? Because they want to, you know, remain having control over you and they want to keep you in a, you know, a a self-esteem, you know, low self-esteem state, not knowing your worth and I, you know, Mm -hmm. so like, that's, (laughs) I don't know if I'm answering your question. You did, yeah. But I feel like that fight um, of, of having to recognize and know your worth um, and for me, because that wasn't my first experience, that wasn't my first and only experience. Of, oh, like we're out here, right. <laughs> motion. Like, right. um, that wasn't my first experience doing the, my art or my craft, mm-hmm. and that's how I looked at it as my as my craft, my art. Like, I'm not just I want to be famous for the sake of being famous. Right. All these people are screaming for me. It's like I'm I am practicing a art form and I am constantly pushing to get better. So there's always something that I can do to get better. I still to this day, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I will go on YouTube right now and pull up a ballet class and be in my in my living room taking class, doing techniques, stretching, you know, pulling out my music theory books, working on my scales. I will listen to great songwriters and listen to how Stevie Wonder put together his lyrics, did his song structure, you know, made his transition. Like, there's always something I feel like I can be making myself greater at. And then also competing with myself from my past too. Like, yo, my waist was snatched back then. Let me get down here. You know what I'm saying? Or let me make sure I am still in the condition to hit, you know, pirouettes and kick my leg up at six o'clock. And then also um, sing on key on, on top of my notes, you know, and, yeah, I, I feel like that one experience was one experience, but I still got to keep being out here and being able to perform and deliver. Right. Well, you said something that segues me into my next question. You said that, you know, as an artist, there's always something that you can be working on and perfecting and getting better at. What would you say is something you don't like about yourself as an artist? For myself as a writer, good question. I get stumped. I get stumped <laughs> sometimes. So, what is your thing as an artist? And it can be from your dance, from acting, from singing, um, from any of those. Um. Yeah, you got to well, look inside yourself now. Look inside yourself. I won't say that I don't like this thing, but I recognize it as a point of improvement. It's all in how you phrase it. So <laughs> I recognize Good this trait or attribute in myself that is the point of improvement. And I would say that is that I second guess myself a lot. Okay. Or I, I, I'm, I'm so self-critical and I'm, I'm such, you know, my biggest, you know, critic and I beat myself up. Like I beat myself down. The shit that I've said to myself <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I wouldn't want anyone to say that to someone else, but I said it to myself. <laughs> so I have to recognize that I am very, you know, I have to be a lot kinder to myself and be a lot more, um, give myself more grace and also give give myself more, um, 
you know, confidence in what I know that I'm great at. Like, yes, I know I want to be better, but sometimes I let that hold me back from what I've already become great at. Yeah. You know, so there's people who have way less, <laughs> less talent or experience, but they just, they don't have that, um, that voice in their head that's telling them no or telling them that it's not enough. But because I am, I'm such a perfectionist and I want to be the best and I want to qualify and I want to, you know, have all of my, no holes in any of my theories or technique or anything, like, I won't do, I won't do something for fear that it's not perfect. And I feel like I want to just, like, run and push out more. Okay. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about today's music industry, about the climate of the, the artist and the music you're hearing nowadays? How, how do you feel as somebody who's, you know, talented in your own right? How do you feel about the climate of music? I feel like it's the wild, wild west out here. <laughs> I had to ask that question. That's exactly what I'm saying. I wanted to get a take from somebody that's literally lived and experienced the industry inside and out. You know what I'm saying? Today's climate is is definitely different. So elaborate a little bit. Why why would you say that? I really feel like um, it's it's a it's it's a you know blessing and a curse at the Wild Wild West because a lot of those gatekeepers and things that kept people at bay, they're not in those they don't hold the same weight. They don't have the same power. So there's a lot of people just being able to make their own way, get get it done, get it out, get a fan base, have success and create, you know, a livelihood for themselves. <laughs> and, um, but with that also being said, I feel like there's a lot of laziness too. There's a lot of laziness in, in what we're, pro what we're producing and what people are praising, you know, as great. And it's like, oh no, you should probably go back to the rehearsal hall for that. But uh, who am I to judge? <laughs> <laughs> Um, you need to get in front of the mirror. We need to get that together. Um, Cause I don't believe you know. That's me. That's my critique. But people are you know waving their hands, screaming at the top of their lungs, and paying for it. So it's like, all right, well, it's working for some people, but maybe it's also because they don't know any better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then sometimes you see people who are really great who don't get that shine and don't have that. Um, you know, recognition was like, wow, so do we all have to be mediocre? Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, you got anything else real quick? All right. I got a couple more questions, and then I'm going to let you introduce the song, of course. Um, how important is it making the right investments? Talk to our listeners about making the right investments as an artist. When you say investments, what do you mean? You know, movement, um, whether it's from the independent artist standpoint, whether it's from the management label standpoint, what about those investments to move that artist around? How important is that, um, those those making the right decisions on what you're spending those those funds on? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's important. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, trick bags and banana in the tailpipes out here, you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of middlemen. There's a lot of 
there's a lot of scammers, you know, there's a lot of people acting like they do what they say they do and they don't, you know. So you really got to vet who you are putting that energy into, especially if you have a budget, especially if you are self-funding it, you know. And I feel like that's what burns a lot of people out sometimes. It's like, oh, I just spent so much money and I didn't make no return. I don't see no movement. But I think you should also, you know, track your success, like set up some benchmarks and have some realistic like benchmarks of like, what do we, what do we describe as success? Mm, First of all, like, of course, everybody wants multi-diamond platinum albums as success. Yes. All the awards we can get, you know, but like there are other levels of success that you can say, all right, between August and November, we want to get to 100,000 views on this video. And we call that a success. And that's going to give us motivation to go to the next and invest more money or invest more time or effort or whatever. Um, We want to be able to reach, you know, now it's back to school time. Whoever's going back to school, I don't know. But (laughs) in another another time, (laughs) you know, we're going to hit all of these HBCUs in the Southeast. And we're going to, we are going to engage with at least 10,000 people. And we want to see our viewership and we want to see our following. And we want to be able to know that we moved these many units. Like have have some real concrete benchmarks. When I'm paying, if I'm paying a publicist, I want these publications. I want this type of, you know, yeah. write up um, in these, five major publications and these online or these podcasts or whatever, whatever, like these, this is the level of mentor. And I'm not just going to give you, you know, a retainer and then you just throw whatever at me and I just think whatever. Yeah. It's like, no, for me to believe that this is successful and this is a good investment and this is um, worthwhile, these are the results I need to see. Now, that will change and that will expand the more you learn the more you grow the more you read the more people you talk to so yeah it's a (laughs) (laughs) you all right with me d woods your girl d woods on the phone i say you all right with me girl I, I bet if we if we weren't on the on the air right now, I bet we could have all kind of candid conversation. Your facial expressions give it all away. <laughs> it's a non it's a nonstop, you know. It's not a, a nine to five job. You know what I mean? Yeah, no doubt. Um, for all my listeners, how can they follow you? Let them know how they can follow you, how they can follow the music, how they can stream the music, and then I'm gonna let you introduce the single. Well, on all the social media platforms, it's the same name, Ya Girl D Woods, Y-A Girl D Woods. And my official website is MissDWoods.com. And the single, Call It Quits, is available on all the platforms as well. And the song is called Call It Quits. And for all you people, been sleeping you can catch up on all the other d woods releases that are on all the platforms if you just search my name and you can you know join the movement and be ready for the next episode you know you got to catch up so that you can move forward you don't want to be in episode four like well why why is she shooting why why you should have watched you done missed something (laughs) 
You should have caught up. Yep, yep. <laughs> Make sure you catch up with your girl, D. Woods, man. Hit the website. Check out the new single, Call It Quits. We about to release it right now. D. Woods, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for having me. Yes, ma'am. And we're going to have to do a follow-up. Shouts out to Zeno. Appreciate you, brother. We're definitely going to do a follow-up with you. Pleasure talking to you, D. Woods. Thank you, y'all. Bang out to it. It's just summertime anthem. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Turn it up right here on the Bandwagon Radio. Don't be so cold, baby. You shouldn't be breaking up. I love it when you touch me. You love it when I call your name. I be like that. Wait.